Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Lift Effect podcast. I am your host, Matt McNeil, founder, clinical director, and director of human performance at Lift Effect, where we assist professional pilots with maintaining better mental health and optimizing their mental skills. The goal of this podcast is simple to help pilots and other high liability professionals and disciplines come out of the shadows to discover how we can live better lives personally and professionally. Join us each episode as we discuss various topics ranging from mental health, mental skills and performance, to business, entrepreneurship, and a few other surprises along the way. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome again to another Lift Effect podcast. I'm your host, Carl Keller, and with me, I've got the man that's got all the answers. And uh, don't believe him if he says not, but he's got all the answers, and that is Matt. Anybody that says they have all the answers, run. Yeah, no kidding. That's the truth. No kidding. Um, Well, we're on our third podcast, and uh, I figured uh, we kind of set the stage the last time we talked about the obstacles or the angst of taking the leap and talking about how to to get some help. I, I figured today would be a good day to talk about, okay, you made the leap, you're talking to somebody, whoever it is, whether it's with you, Matt, or someone else, you're getting help. You've had to basically uh, take yourself off flying. You're not able to fly because you're either- Not necessarily, not necessarily. I would say that can be one of the, the results. But most people that come to us are still flying. But I guess, uh, uh, and, and that's a true statement, but I guess what I was focusing on is more the people that end up having to go to that next level where they notify their, the company or they, they're on uh, they're on short-term, long-term disability. They're having to take uh, potentially medications or seeing a psychiatrist or you, or they're, they're going to that next level and they're getting that help that is for an extended period of time for something that's a little bit more that's more um, uh, severe or substantial than just um, kind of a, a kind of a course correction. They've actually now they're going to have to do something to get their medical back. Well, no, it's a good question. We'll get to that extreme example, but let me just start by saying ninety-five percent of pilots that come to Lift Effect are continuing to fly as they're getting help from Lift Effect. So there are those that five percent where they're 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 tapping out. They're like, okay, I got to take time off. I can't do this. And there's, and in some respects, that's less ambiguous to deal with. And I'll answer those questions of what happens, but let's say you are continuing to fly. And last episode, we talked about, well, what is the reporting requirements? What does that, what does that look like? And so I think we covered that. If anybody's got more questions, send the email and, and ask more specific questions about it. But what I want to, I'll cover that and I'll answer the extreme, but let me just say that pilots say that, that they choose to report on their medical. And again, the reporting requirements is if you're given a diagnosis, the expectation is that you report. Whether you do that or not is up to you. We don't have anything to do with that. If you're not given a diagnosis and we don't take insurance, and so we're not required to give you a diagnosis and we don't, we don't need to, to help you. But let's say you're like, we give you a diagnosis, um, or, or let's just say you're, you 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 want to report it anyways. And some pilots, they say, I want to report everything. I don't want to take any risk. I don't want to, I'm going to put everything down. No problem. That's fine. There are three scenarios that are going to happen if you choose to report and put on your on your medical. The first is 
nothing. Nothing is going to happen. Uh, you're going to report it. Your AME is going to issue the medical, and the FAA does not choose to follow up with it at all. Not super likely, quite. I mean, to be honest, I don't really see that where the FAA just goes, yeah, we're not interested. If it's family counseling or couples counseling, they are not interested in that because the, interestingly enough, couples counseling, the, the client is actually the relationship. It's not the the one partner or the other, it, the client is considered the relationship, which is why couples counseling isn't even usually covered under insurance because there is no client. The relationship's the client, but I digress. You report the AME issues and the FA chooses to do nothing. Okay. That's one scenario. Second scenario is you report the AME issues. The FA is going to send you a 60-day letter. And that letter, I don't have one in front of me, but and I could read it. It's a bunch of typical FAA jargon. Uh, let me summarize it. It's going to say, we need further documentation. You do have your medical. You can operate under your, the privileges of your medical. We have not rescinded it, but you have 60 days to get us more information about the visit that you indicated on your 8500 form when you put that visit down, which would mean we want a letter from Lift Effect, from the treating uh, therapist, whether it's me or Tim or one of my other therapists. We would like a letter. Um, they'll say we would like the notes about what was going on. You have 60 days to give us that information. If you do not, your medical is now suspended. 60 days to comply. That's scenario two. Third scenario is you are grounded and you have 60 days to get us whatever information they request on there. Typically, if they're grounding you, what they're going to say is you need to be evaluated by a board certified psychiatrist and you have 60 days to get us that evaluation. That's if you're like, yeah, I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder, you know, or full blown anxiety, uh, generalized anxiety disorder, or some other mental health issue, they're going to say, well, that's disqualifying um, unless it's in remission. You can't operate your medical and we need you to be evaluated. Uh, and we need the notes from whoever you saw. Most of the time, it's scenario B. Now, let me talk about AMEs for a minute because not all AMEs are created equal. And this is one of the problems with AMEs is that some of them are more savvy about what is the FAA, about using their own clinical judgment, and some are not. I have seen AMEs where a pilot will go and say, I saw a counselor uh, and I was not diagnosed with anything, or I was diagnosed with an adjustment disorder or whatever, and the AME says, oh, I can't issue. I got to send this to Oklahoma City and defer it, which is just dumb. Because if the AME knew what he was doing, honestly, they get very minimal training each year. A lot of these guys don't see that many pilots. This is just a practice to kind of finance their bonanza that they like to fly on the weekends. Um, there are other AMEs that are more professional and see lots of pilots and do understand the FA, but it, you're kind of rolling the dice with, with who you're going to. But some AMEs will just say, I can't issue this. I don't want to, I don't want this responsibility. And they will hand it over to the FAA. And then you're, you're going to walk out of there without a medical. Uh, they're going to let the FAA make the decision. And oftentimes the, the FAA will just be like, yeah, issue it. And they'll send you, the FAA will send you a medical. Don't go to that AME again. Sometimes the AME, I've seen this as well, where they're very well-intentioned. 
They want to help the pilot. They go, yeah, let's issue it. No problem. And the pilot put down, I was diagnosed with depression. Amy issues it. And then they're going to get that third scenario letter where the FAA says, wait, wait, wait. You don't qualify for, you don't meet the standards for the medical certificate. And your medical is just, you know, is suspended until we get more information. So there's a couple. As a follow-up on that one, Matt. Yeah. uh, As a follow-up, what is how quickly does that third scenario occurs? Because he actually has a medical in his hand. And as far as he's concerned, he's ready to go or she's ready to go. Is there a time frame, like a a day, a week, a month? Good question. I don't know. I've seen, it's not instant. It's not, it's usually the, the pilots at work flying and he gets a letter in the mail or he gets contacted or somehow it's usually a letter. Um, although I think if it's suspended, do they call? They might. It depends. Uh, Obviously but, not. But they're really shocked. Just curiosity. Yeah. It's never heard. It, it's, it's, so you can be it, in recall you know, training and all of a sudden, Oh yeah. Get the notice happens, happens. But most of the time, what I see is a, we want more information letter. You still can fly. We're not, grounding you, but you have 60 days to comply. And either scenario, they give you 60 days. If you don't comply, you don't have a medical anymore. And they even say on there, we'll go leak. We're going to legally go after you. If you don't get us this information within 60 days. One of the problems is if they wanted a psychiatric evaluation, you know, most psychiatrists I know it's going to take five, six months to get on the calendar. And so you're in, this is a serious issue. And you can call the FAA um, and say, hey, I can't get an appointment. And I've seen them sometimes say, fine, we'll extend it. Other times they say, tough cookies. You know, you got 60 days to get us this. I think that in light of COVID, they've been much kinder about that. And they kind of understand that getting an appointment with a mental health professional is, you know, to get an appointment, it's going to take months especially somebody that's good. I mean, you don't want to go to the cheapest guy or gal for that matter. You want to go to somebody good. And that's why, you know what, call AMAS or call Lift Effect. And if you get one of those letters and we can kind of help guide you through what, what is the steps that you, that you need to take. So that's most pilots that we treat. They're still flying. They're good. They're actively flying. They're, they're not grounded. Let's go to the grounded ones. Can we, so did I, is there anything else you want to add to that, Carl? Or Let's go to the grounded. And a, you brought up AMAS. Yeah. And yeah. just for clarity's sake, AMAS has really nothing to do with grounding you or, or any, or during the grounding process, they are there to help, hopefully help you get ungrounded. Is that uh, correct? Aviation, yeah, they're aviation medicine advisory service. They're not clinical medicine. Lift effect is, is a clinical practice. We treat. AMAS doesn't do any treating. They just give advice. Now, all of those doctors are aerospace medical doctors. Most of them used to be uh, aviation medical examiners. And I think, uh, I don't want to speak on behalf of AMAS, but I'm pretty sure that they all had to rescind their their AME designation when they go to work at AMAS because they want to represent the pilot. And if you're an aviation medical examiner, you represent the FAA. Uh, so, but they are purely advisory. They, they don't treat, they just say, well, here's what you need to do this, this, and this. 
um, and they can help you, you know, sometimes they liaison with the FAA, uh, so on and so forth, but they are what their name says. They're an advisory service about that. And you can call on them, ask them and go on their website or whatever. And what's happening with mental health stuff is I think we're getting more uh, pilots that are contacting lift effect because all we do is the mental health stuff. Sometimes they contact AMAS as well. AMAS will often send pilots over to us for the clinical side, you know, to actually get treatment. Um, but AMAS is a great resource. If you're ALPA, if you're um, depending on your, your union, um, it's a lot of corporate flight departments have contracts with AMAS as well. Um, so you'll just have to check if you don't, then they just charge you a, a fee um, for that. I don't remember. I think it was 75 bucks to have send them an email and they'll write you back or have a nurse call or a doctor call back or give you the advice. But, but yeah, that's, that's, so that's the scenario with pilots that are continuing to fly that choose to report in their medical that they're getting help. Now I'll say the ones that are tapped out, they're like, they're on some um, like long-term disability, short-term or whatever. Right. It's usually, there's usually something that with their, with their company that they work for that they've had to notify them that, Hey, that's why I can't come to work. So right. it's, there's an extended period of time. And now finally they're in a better place and they're ready to go. That's kind of the scenario we're looking at right what now. What do we do? Right. Yep. Right. Well, what we see is it comes down to two factors. Are you taking medication or are you not taking medication? And we're only talking about mental health issues here, anxiety, depression, those kinds of things. There is a type of medication, they call them antidepressants, but what those mean is selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, SSRI. There are only four SSRIs that are approved by the FAA. And now this is not, oh, I can take the medication, I can just go get my medical. No, it means they're allowed with contingencies. And we'll talk about what those are. But the four medications are Celexa, Zoloft, Prozac, Prozac, and, and uh, escitalopram. Those are the four that are approved. If you want to take an SSRI, and that can really help people significantly that have conditions, there is a decision path. There's two decision paths. One is you're not on meds. The other is that you're on one of the four approved meds. You can only be on one of those medications. You can't be on two of them. Can't be on three of them. You can only be on one. Why? It's stupid. Makes Clinically makes no sense, but TFA. Um, two, you have to have been on a stable dose, meaning it has not gone up. It has not gone down. Not one milligram, not one microgram for a minimum of six months, six months. Most pilots that are on SSRIs that, that we treat don't even want to try to reapply until they've been on the meds for 12 to 18 months. That's what we see. But got to be on for at least six months. If you want to stay on the medication, got to be on for six months and you have to do what's called a P and P evaluation. There's two evaluations that you have to do before you can reapply for your medical. Uh, with the AME. We'll talk through that in a second. This, there's a neuropsychological exam and there is a psychiatric evaluation that's required. The neuropsych is done by a neuropsychologist. It has to be a HIMS trained. Now, HIMS does not mean you're in the HIMS program. It, this is what the FAA, they, because the HIMS program, which is pilots with drug and alcohol problems, uh, has been around for 30 years. SSRI program has only been around since 2010. It was new. They didn't know what to do with it. 
So what they did is they just said, put it in the hymns bucket. So it falls under the hymns guidelines in some respects, but it doesn't have to do with drugs and alcohol. It doesn't mean you have a drugs and alcohol problem and you have to go into the hymns program. It just means it's hymns protocol, which really comes down to what is the training of the psychiatrist and what is the training of the neuropsychologist and really what is the training of the therapist? The neuropsych exam, you have to have a battery of tests that's called the NeuroCog AE. That stands for Aeromedical Edition. That can only be administered by somebody that's HIMSS trained, right? So any neuropsychologist that can administer that test is going to be HIMSS trained. The psychiatrist, and that, that test battery takes about four hours. Um, it's a bunch of cognitive tests that you have to do in person with the neuropsychologist. The, the psychiatric eval is with a board-certified psychiatrist. It does not have to be a HIMSS psychiatrist. We recommend that you do because we've seen people go get the psych eval, and the way that the psychiatrist writes it up, it doesn't meet FAA standards. So having a HIMSS-trained psychiatrist, they understand what the FAA is looking for. They understand the SSRI protocol, and they know how to kind of put all of that together. <clears throat> You have to have those two evaluations done. Once those are done, you then go to your AME. Again, is the AME HIMS trained or not? I recommend that if you're on the SSRI uh, medication, you've waited out your six months, you've done your neurocog, you've done your psychiatric evaluation, you do your medical, your normal medical, they tap your knee, you pee in the, in the cup, and they you know do your EKG and test your eyes. And then the AME says, okay, everything looks good. I have to defer this though, because you're taking this medication and the FA doesn't know about it yet. Now, mind you notice the FA doesn't know anything about you until it's this point. They take the whole packet of information and then they submit it to Oklahoma city for the FAA to make their decision. That takes months. Right. Because if you're taking SSRIs, that's called a special issuance. The only people that issue, well, I shouldn't say this, but a special issuance means it's issu it's a special issuance by the FAA that they send you. And so you will get a medical if you meet all the criteria and everything looks good. And by the way, they need all your medical records. They need all the therapy records. They need the doctor's visits. They need prescription records. They want everything uh, for that previous two years. Um and so then you submit it, that you go do the medical, they defer it, everything gets sent to Oklahoma City, and then you sit on the treadmill or the Ferris wheel, if you will, and you wait. And the last uh, SSRI approval that we had submitted nine months prior, it took the FAA nine months to make the decision and they approved it. And then the pilot went back to work. Um, and that's those, after waiting potentially multiple months to yeah, get he was to out see for 18 before. But I guess what I was trying to get at is you got to find yourself a HIMSS psychiatrist, trained psychiatrist, which now further limits the, the, the available pool and you've got to get your neurocog. So you're actually, I don't know what the lead time on that would be, but it, it probably, I would imagine it's probably similar months, scenario. Several, so you actually, months. you need to kind of lead turn this quite a bit. Once you oh, start yeah. seeing things turning the corner and you're ready to go, you need to get on somebody's 
calendar as soon as possible. Yeah, and when pilots are, you know, they're they're really struggling so bad that that medication is required. And at some point, let's we'll talk about when when do like when do I say, hey, I think you should, you know, maybe talk to your doctor about medication. We don't prescribe. We're not psychiatrists. Um, but you know, when that happens, I always tell the pilot, you should plan on, you're not going to go to back to work for a couple of years. Um, honestly, I mean, you, you can try to rush this, uh, but it's sort of dumb. And honestly, pilots don't, they're like, good. I don't want to go back right now. I want to get my life back together. And they need that time. Um, to, to, to kind of rebalance and rediscover their life and figure out a, a different way to live and a different way to cope. And that takes time. Um, but it's not a quick process. The Let's say you're on for six months, then you're like, okay, I'm ready to go do my appointments. Well, that's going to take a couple months to get those, those things on the books. You go do that, get all your medical records. Then you go to the AME. Then he you know, does the exam, defers to Oklahoma City. It takes nine months. Even the fastest way is still like 18, 18 months. Um, but now there's a second piece. Let's say you take the meds and you're like, you know, I feel better. I'd like to try to come off. Most pilots don't. And that's usually because they feel so much better that they're like, why do I don't want to rock the boat? You know, I've heard people say, I feel better than I've, you know, um, ever felt, you know, ever. And I didn't know you could feel good like this because I think I've probably just been depressed for so long and felt crappy for so long that I just, that was my normal. And this feels better. I'm good. I'm going to stay on the meds. Okay. Um, but sometimes people don't want to. I have one guy yesterday. He's like, I'm having too many side effects, um, negative side effects. And it affects everybody different. It's the N of one, right? You got to see how you respond. And he's like, I, I just don't want to be on this stuff. I want to come off. Okay. Well, if you come off, the process is, is easier. And that's not to say, yeah, just do what's easier so you can come off. Because if you need the meds and you come off, guess what? You're going to destabilize and you're going to go right back on the meds and it's going to be, a, and now you reset the clock, right? But sometimes people come off. Well, FAA says you have to be off for 60 days. Once you are off for 60 days, don't need the neurocog because you're not on the meds. You still need the psychiatric evaluation. Um, you still got to go do that piece, but you can save yourself the neurocog. And by the way, on the meds, you have to repeat the testing every year, the neurocog and the, the psychiatric evaluation. Uh, so, so you're saying if you stay on the meds, that's an annual requirement for yeah, the rest yeah. of their flying career for, or for only for a period of time? Forever. As long as you're on the meds, you have to, you have to do the PNP. They're, they're talking about changing the neurocog to every other year they should change it to every no year but that's what they're talking about for now it's it's yearly it's it's annually you have to do that the, the pnp uh and they're and they're at your own expense they're expensive it's usually 1500 bucks for the neurocog and another 15 to 2000 for the psychiatrist so four grand you got to spend uh, on your own so that you can stay healthy which just seems ethically wrong to me. Um, if you needed insulin, uh, of course, they don't let people with diabetes fly in this country, but they're starting to do that in Australia. Um, but if you needed medication, right, that should be covered. Medical evaluations, scans, that should be covered. Why shouldn't the 
psychiatric and neurocog. It's bullshit. Um, but it's the stigmatization of mental health. But but if you if you come off, uh, you don't have to do that. And then I think I've seen um, they'll do a special issuance uh, if you're not on meds for three to five years. And then sometimes they just cancel it and just give you a regular issuance and say, you're good. You don't need to jump through any hoops. Uh, but if it comes back, you have to, re- you know, you have to report self-report. It just, it just depends. There seems like there's inconsistency with that. So hopefully that clears up like what happens if, you know, if you come, you know, are on meds or are in such a way that you need to be on meds for a while, um, and come off, you know, that that's how that works. If someone needs a hymns, uh, trained psychiatrist, is that, uh, is, does do you have a list of them that they could go to or where does someone go to find one? Cause like I said, obviously that would, the, the, uh, the number of a psychiatrist to do that would be a lot less than the general. Yeah, there's a list that the FAA puts out. Um, I think AMAS has a list and lift effect has a list. The, the harder one is the neuropsychologist. They kind of protect those guys because they don't want them to be inundated with requests. Um, and so that is more, and this is where a good hymns AME is, is, is helpful because they're like, oh, okay, you're on the SSRI protocol. We send people to this psychiatrist and this neuropsychologist. And look, pilots, you know, ha- have plane will travel. Um, sometimes you get on a plane, you go do it. You know, you go to Atlanta for the day, do the psych eval, go to, you know, California, do your neurocog. Um, it, it just, you go where you go to somebody that's good. And somebody that has a good track record of getting pilots back to work. You don't want to go to somebody that that seems to declare every pilot unfit. Um, and there are a couple of those turkeys out there. And so it's like, yeah, no one's going to go to you because you seem to think every pilot doesn't meet the criteria. Um, so a good AME that's hims hims qualified should have their colleagues that they work with, um, and then they they send their pilots to that. But I guess for the same question going towards AMEs, is there a list or is that something you just have to ask each one of them? Do you, are you hymns qualified? I think there's a list of, of hymns AMEs. I believe that there is. Go to AMAS uh, and ask yeah, them. Yeah, AMAS or FAA. Yeah, there yeah. should be a, there should be a list. It's not always updated, um, but but yeah, there's there should be that should be published knowledge. Um, to go back to backtrack just a second, you mentioned four specific drugs and the one that you struggled with was the very last one um i think is lexapro is 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 the generic of that one right yeah it's the the generic is the the brand name is lexapro the generic is escitalopram yeah liptopec prozac lexapro and zoloft those are the and there's generic names for or, or there's brand names and generic names for for every one of those but but when you go to your you didn't just um, say lift effect was one of them. <laughs> what are, did I just? <laughs> yeah, I was going like, yeah, no, lift, lift effect is not one yeah. of those. Is not one of those 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 drugs. We're a drug, but not that kind of drug. <laughs> um, oh, sorry, <laughs> no. But and, um, and one of the things that we recommend too when we start counseling pilots and they're you know they're thinking, look, so here's a good question is when do I need meds, right? How do I know if I need meds? Here's how I think. Meds are not the first stop. It's the last stop. The first stop is is therapy. 
And that works most of the time. Meds are good if, and the way I, I, I view it is medication is like a fire extinguisher. If you're burning so hot that you can't do the counseling, like you can't even do the work, well, then you need a fire extinguisher to put the fire out so that you can do the work. And that's where medication is, is I think, can be useful is if you just are too impaired to even be able to like try to process what's going on, then medication is a good, is a good place to do it. But medication alone, if you just want to pop a pill and think that that's going to change your life, come on, it's not how it works. <laughs> medication is fine with therapy, with therapy. It's not, and in our culture, we just want to take a pill and be done with it. And so people to say, well, can't I just take a pill and feel better? Nope. Might make you feel better for a bit, but it's not going to change your marriage. It's not going to change, you know, uh, it's not going to change your history. It's not going to change your coping skills. It's not going to change any of that stuff. It's only there to cool things off enough so that you can get busy trying to work on yourself. Um, let's switch gears for a second. And uh, um, since I'm asking the questions, I get to ask the question. This is a little bit different and it's more, uh, uh, I would say current events. And it's just, uh, cause of all things going on right now, there's a lot of stressors, uh, that someone who's struggling with things right now, it's just, there's a lot there. I mean, there's all these worries about inflation. There's worries about what's going on with, you know, potential jobs with also, I mean, heck Ukraine, you know, is, is, is that going to spill over to uh, other things? Are you seeing those external events causing additional um, stressors on, on the people that, that have come to talk to you? Or is, is that just kind of just background noise? You know, all of it matters. Yeah. No, I think that there's with COVID COVID was sort of a game changer. It, it blew the doors open on issues that have always been there, that have always been hiding. It was like the wheels sort of came off. And COVID itself or just the, the, the isolation and all the fears and the, the fear the economic yeah. issues that occurred? Yeah. Well, you know, there was nobody was flying and yep. everybody was was like, you know, you're a, you're a, a Trump supporter or you're a Biden supporter if you wear a mask and COVID is real and COVID isn't real and uh, what you believe or not, it's everybody was stressed the F out with this. It became totally divisive. People are screaming at each other in the terminal. It was like, holy, what the hell just happened? Oh, and all the planes are parked and nobody's going to work. And are we going to furlough? And is there going to be a government bailout? And oh, we're now in a, a new election cycle. And, and in terms of the stress bucket, and oh, all these retire, you know, should I take an early retirement? And we don't get an early retirement. And this carrier is doing this. And all these people are leaving. And all these people are being hired. And who, you know, it's like it popped. And it's the cats out of the bag. And I like cats. Cats shouldn't be in bags. But, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's here, man. It's on. It's game on. And that's why, you know, our, our, clinically, our practice tripled in size. Well, in of, the, of the tripling of the increase, could you um, 
point to COVID as part of it or uh, the actual illness the itself? The actual did disease? It yeah. Yes, well, did it drive COVID too. The, you know, COVID symptoms, a lot of them are psychiatric. They're, they're it's real. It's, and look, if you don't believe in COVID, oh, fine. Like, but people that have got COVID that came to us had absolutely psychiatric symptoms that they never had before. Never. And it wasn't the vaccine. It was the COVID. And so COVID is, is it's, it's really hurt people psychiatrically. The brain fog was real. I'm going to ask a follow-up with that. And this is a projection or a, not a projection, like what you expect to happen, but you're starting to hear things now about saying, Hey, we're starting to see an increase in COVID again with this BA5 variant, which is supposed to be much more um, virulent as far as transmittable, not, not so much uh, that it uh, is more uh, where you end up with more uh, hospitalizations, but they're saying that it's, it's bypassing a lot of the immunities that, that uh, the, the shots have had. Um, This is just a question. Do you have a concern or worry that, that that may kind of, I hate to say the words, drive business up again? Or do you feel like that uh, we've kind of stabilized when it comes to the actual COVID itself? That's more of a question. It's a great question, man. I don't have an answer. I mean, I I think that I'm always concerned about, about COVID. Like viruses are bad things. I had a virus in 2018. I was in the ICU for five days. I I was out for two years, um, having to fight to get my medical back because they didn't know what it was, and it ended up it was a viral illness, and I was really messed up. And so, like viruses, guys, gals, viruses are bad. You don't want a virus, so. Anytime there's viral illnesses, the problem with viruses is because you don't know what they're going to do. And so any spike in COVID, especially because of the cognitive stuff that, that, that's happened with COVID that we are treating in our practice, and anytime there's a spike in this, I'm concerned. I'm absolutely concerned. Am I concerned that society is going to shut down? I'm not, because I think we've dialed in on how to approach this. I mean, the treatments. Uh, the, the vaccines, mRNA vaccines, they've been around for 20 years, 30 years. It's not new. It's just new for approaching this kind of virus. And and that was kind of where I was going with the current events with all the stressors. And now with all the, the previous issues of COVID and, and this, it's almost like it's going to be an annual thing, but uh, you know, who knows yet? The right. question really comes down to, okay, uh, it seems like everywhere you turn around, somebody's getting COVID. Absolutely. What would be, um, and you mentioned one in particular, brain fog, but if someone does come down with COVID, what to you would be, and they've never had any um, uh, symptoms or, or history of any issues, what would what would you say for them would be something to look out for? Uh, brain fog would be one of them where they just feel like they're feel slogging like the through the Your IMC. cloud. What what other things would they need to look for that would just be saying, hey, Sad, something depression, um, sadness, uh just despair. 
that's um, on, on, on like it's sort of like, there's no reason, but you're just like, I, I just feel like I'm in despair. Mental confusion, confusion, cognitive issue. Yeah. Cognitive confusion, short-term memory issues, Me- uh, memory loss or, or me- yeah. inability to remember things. I mean, inability to I, remember things, losing your time, space and, and position. Right. Like I had one client that said I was walking around the, the supermarket and I literally didn't know why I was there. I, I, for a minute, I was like, I don't even know where the hell I am. I don't even know what I'm doing. That's what's happening, right? With, with someone, it's weird stuff. It's weird stuff. So I'm always concerned when, whenever there's viral illness, but I'm less concerned about like, we're going to shut down as a society. I just, I think we're more prepared and we know more and we've got more, more things in place, but look, I'm not, a virologist. I'm not, you know, this, what the hell? That's outside of your wheelhouse, to be honest. Yeah, what the, I mean, this is just yeah. my opinion. I mean, you know, I'm just looking, whatever, you know, for those that are tuning in is to things that, you know, and, and maybe even a loved one that hears this, that if, if someone is sharing it, that, hey, that this is something to be looking for, that this, because people maybe start acting in ways that they weren't, his, you know, historically, like all of a sudden it's something different, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're showing There's a new persona change. or personality yeah. changes um, so that they can get the help. That's what this is all That's right. that. And, and all of you listening out there, this is what this is all about is getting the help and getting better uh, or getting the right mindset. Cause, because Matt does more than just this. He does, he helps businesses and business uh, 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 high priced, high, uh, uh, charging individuals that are in, like CEOs and and uh, uh, lawyers and everything like that. So he helps a lot of people. But at the end of the day, the whole goal is for people to get better. And, yeah. um, and, and, that and that's cha- the focus here. You said change. And that, that like we should definitely do cover more about this because um, I know we need to wrap it up. Yep. Because people are probably sick of hearing us. Um, but <laughs> you know, um, people, if I will say, if you could only see Matt, I swear to God, you, you would think you're looking at, you Bill would Mayer. run, you no. would just run. <laughs> you would, you'd be like, I will never listen to that guy. Again. He's got, uh, a, he's we, got like a, a, a raccoon on his head. Okay. No, but, but look, the, the, the change, and we got to talk about this more, but when, with mental health, one of the things that we want to look for is a change. It's a change in behavior. It's where it goes from kind of normal and it slides into abnormal. It's like, it's sort of like an ILS approach, right? Y'all raw data, everything looks good. But if you notice this trend that the needle is starting to kind of peel off, that's the starting point. And then it all of a sudden, guess what happens, right? The closer and closer you get, the more and more the deflection you're going to get. Same thing with like mental health stuff. So the changes in, and with COVID stuff, with cognitive things, it's, it's a change. It's like, well, I was over here and now it's over here. That's something to pay attention to. Just across, it doesn't have to be COVID. It could be all sorts of other things, but you want to look for those changes. Well, what's the one thing you want to leave uh, that sums up today's podcast? If you get the 60 day letter, don't worry. Okay. It's okay. There, the I don't find, and, and I'm not a big FAA lover, <laughs> right? But I, in some, I, I do think in some respects the FAA is trying to approach this. 
they're not there to just grab your medical. That's not what they're doing. They're concerned. They want follow-up. They want to know what's going on. But they often are not like, you're grounded. You have this many days or we're going to throw you in jail. That's not what the 60-day letters. Most of those 60 days are just saying, we need just further information. And and once you supply mm-hmm. that and, and everything looks okay, it's good to go. That, that's the one thing. If you have any questions, please send them to us. We, we want to answer any questions that anybody has. Um, uh, there is no stupid question. And uh, please send them to podcast at lifteffect.com. Once again, it's been our pleasure. Uh, see you on the next one. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Lift Effect Podcast. If you want to dive deeper into this episode and every episode, go to our website, lifteffect.com forward slash podcast. If you're enjoying the show, we would love it if you'd follow us on Spotify and rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate your support. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, all with the ID Matthew McNeil. This show is brought to you by Lift Effect, a clinical mental health and consulting company that assists air carriers, corporate flight departments, pilot unions, and commercial pilots by providing comprehensive psychotherapy and mental skills coaching services to pilots with mental health and mental performance related issues. Visit lifteffect.com, that's L-I-F-T-A-F-F-E-C-T.com to book your free consultation. And finally, this podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of counseling, psychotherapy, medicine, or any other healthcare service, including the giving of medical advice. No therapeutic or provider-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and any materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional psychological advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining advice for any psychological or medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on the Lift Effect podcast.